veins of one common system which are necessarily drawn together wherever there is but one pass parts of these commercial byways are frequently found to be roughly hedged with wild pear and other hardy shrubs indigenous to the country the relics of bygone days planted when these now barren hills were cultivated to protect the growing crops from depredation old millstones with depressions in the center formerly used for pounding corn in and pieces of hewn masonry are occasionally seen as one traverses these ancient trails marking the site of a village in days long past when cultivation and centers of industry were more conspicuous features of asia minor than they are today lone graves and graves in clusters marked by rude unchiselled headstones or oblong mounds of boulders are frequently observed completing the scene of general decay while riding along these tortuous ways the smooth-worn camel paths sometimes affording excellent wheeling the view ahead is often obstructed by the untrimmed hedges on either side and one sometimes almost comes into collision in turning a bend with horsemen wild-looking armed formidably in the manner peculiar to the country as though they were assassins stealing forth under cover occasionally a female bestriding a donkey suddenly appears but twenty or thirty yards ahead the narrowness and the crookedness of the hedged-in trail favoring these abrupt meetings shrouded perhaps in a white abbas and not infrequently riding a white donkey they seldom fail to inspire thoughts of ghostly equestrians gliding silently along these now half-deserted pathways many a hasty but sincere appeal is made to allah by these frightened ladies as they fancy themselves brought suddenly face to face with the evil one more than once this afternoon i overhear that agonizing appeal for providential aid and protection of which i am the innocent cause the second thought of the lady as if it occurred to her that with any portion of her features visible she would be adjudged unworthy of divine interference in her behalf is to make sure that her yashmak is not disarranged and then comes a mute appeal to her attendant if she has one for some explanation of the strange apparition so suddenly and unexpectedly confronting them in view of the nature of the country and the distance of keshtebek i have no idea of being able to reach that place to-night and when i arrive at the ruins of an old mud-built khan at dusk i conclude to sup off the memories of my excellent dinner and a piece of bread i have in my pocket and avail myself of its shelter for the night while eating my frugal repast up ride three muleteers who after consulting among themselves some minutes finally picket their animals and prepare to join my company whether for all night or only to give their animals a feed of grass i am unable to say anyhow not liking the idea of spending the whole night or any part of it in these unfrequented hills with three ruffianly looking natives i again take up my line of march along mountain mule paths for some three miles farther when i descend into a small valley and it being too dark to undertake the task of pitching my tent i roll myself up in it instead soothed by the music of a babbling brook i am almost asleep when a glorious meteor shoots athwart the sky lighting up the valley with startling vividness for one brief moment and then the dusky pall of night descends and i am gathered into the arms of morpheus toward morning it grows chilly but i am fitfully dozing in the early gray 
when I am awakened by the bleeding and the pattering feet of a small sea of Angora goats. Starting up, I discover that I am at that moment the mysterious and interesting subject of conversation between four goat herds, who have apparently been quietly surveying my sleeping form for some minutes. Like our covetous friends beyond the Karasu Pass, these early morning acquaintances are unlovely representatives of their profession. Their sword blades are half naked, the scabbards being rudely fashioned out of two sections of wood, roughly shaped to the blade, and bound together at top and bottom with twine, in addition to which are bell-mouthed pistols half the size of a Queen Bess blunderbuss. This villainous-looking quartet does not make a very reassuring picture in the foreground of one's waking moments, but they are probably the most harmless mortals imaginable. Anyhow, after seeing me astir, they pass on with their flocks and herds, without even submitting me to the customary catechizing. The morning light reveals in my surroundings a most charming little valley, about a half-mile wide, walled in on the south by towering mountains covered with a forest of pine and cedar, and on the north by low, brush-covered hills. A small brook dances along the middle, and thin pasturage and scattered clumps of willow fringe the stream. Three miles down the valley I arrive at a roadside con, where I obtain some hard bread that requires soaking in water to make it eatable, and some wormy raisins, and from this choice assortment I attempt to fill the aching void of a ravenous appetite, with what success I leave to the reader's imagination. Here the kanji and another man deliver themselves of one of those strange requests peculiar to the Asiatic Turk. They pull the contents of their respective treasuries, making in all perhaps three Megides, and with the simplicity of children whose minds have not yet dawned upon the crooked ways of a wicked world, they offer me the money in exchange for my White House leather case with its contents. They have not the remotest idea of what the case contains, but their inquisitiveness apparently overcomes all other considerations. Perhaps, however, their seemingly innocent way of offering me the money may be their own peculiar deep scheme of inducing me to reveal the nature of its contents. For a short distance down the valley I find a road that is generally rideable, when it contracts to a mere ravine, and the only road is the boulder-strewn bed of the stream, which is now nearly dry, but in the spring is evidently a raging torrent. An hour of this delectable exercise, and I emerge into a region of undulating hills, among which are scattered wheat-fields and clusters of mud-hubbles, which it would be a stretch of courtesy to term villages. Here the poverty of the soil, or of the water supply, is heralded to every observant eye by the poverty-stricken appearance of the villagers. As I wheel along, I observe that these poor, half-naked wretches, are gathering their scant harvest by the laborious process of pulling it up by the roots, and carrying it to their common threshing-floor on donkeys' backs. Here also I come to a camp of Turkish gypsies. They are dark-skinned, with an abundance of long black hair dangling about their shoulders like our Indians. The women and larger girls are radiant in scarlet calico and other high-colored fabrics, and they wear a profusion of bead-necklaces armlets, anklets, and other ornaments dear to the semi-savage mind. The younger children are as wild and as innocent of clothing as their boon companions, the dogs. The men affect the fez and general Turkish style of dress, with many unorthodox trappings and embellishments, however, 
and with their own wild appearance their high-colored females naked youngsters wolfish-looking dogs picketed horses and smoke-brown tents they make a scene that for picturesqueness can give odds even to the wigwam villages of uncle sam's crow scouts on the little bighorn river montana territory which is saying a good deal twelve miles from my last night's rendezvous i pass through keshtebek a village that has evidently seen better days the ruins of a large stone khan take up all the central portion of the place massive gateways of hewn stone ornamented by the sculptor's chisel are still standing eloquent monuments of a more prosperous era the enterprising descendants of the men who erected this substantial and commodious retreat for passing caravans and travelers are now content to house themselves and their families in tumble-down hovels and to drift aimlessly and unambitiously along on wretched fare and worse clothes from the cradle to the grave the Keshtebek people seem principally interested to know why I am traveling without any Zaptia escort. A stranger traveling through these wooded mountains without guard or guide, and not being able to converse with the natives, seems almost beyond their belief. When they ask me why I have no Zaptia, I tell them I have one, and show them the Smith and Wesson. They seem to regard this as a very witty remark, and say to each other, he is right an english effendi and an american revolver don't require any subtias to take care of them they are quite able to look out for themselves from keshtebek my road leads down another small valley and before long i find myself in the angora villa yet bowling briskly eastward over a most excellent road not the mule paths of an hour ago but a broad well-graded highway as good clear into nali khan as the roads of any new england state this sudden transition is not unnaturally productive of some astonishment on my part and inquiries at nali khan result in the information that my supposed graded wagon road is nothing less than the bed of a proposed railway the preliminary grading for which has been finished between keshtebek and angora for some time this valley seems to be the gateway into a country entirely different from what I have hitherto traversed. Unlike the forest-crowned mountains and shrubbery hills of this morning, the mountains towering aloft on every hand are now entirely destitute of vegetation, but they are in no wise objectionable to look upon on that account, for they have their own peculiar features of loveliness. Various colored rocks and clays enter into their composition. Their giant sides are fantastically streaked and seamed, with blue, yellow, green, and red, these variegated masses encompassing one round about on every side are a glorious sight. They are more interesting, more imposing, more grand and impressive, even than the piney heights of Kojali. Many of these mountains bear evidence of mineral formation and anywhere in the occident would be the scene of busy operations in constantinople i heard an english mineralist who has lived many years in the country express the belief that there is more mineral buried in these asia minor hills than in a corresponding area